When it comes to preparing sequences for a yoga class, you can choose to make the sequences overly complex, or you can choose to keep it simple. If you seek to offer and lead classes that make an impact, then keeping it simple when it comes to sequencing just might be the impact you've been seeking to offer. Welcome to the Beyond Yoga Teacher Training Podcast, the podcast for yoga teachers to learn tips, techniques, and teaching approaches in order to build confidence and success teaching yoga. I am your host, Sandy Raper, and on this podcast, I am going to share with you my strategies and approach to teaching, along with stories from many teaching experiences that have supported me within a thriving teaching career for over two decades. Thank you for joining me today. Let's get back to today's episode. If what we learn about the origins of yoga dates back some 5,000 years ago, and what we begin to know of classical yoga asanas takes us back to the ancient yogic texts, then it's safe to say that you may have the skill to introduce asana in an interesting and creative way through your sequencing, but I want to pose to you the question of inquiry into why you feel like this aspect of teaching requires so much complexity. In today's episode, I am going to share with you three highly effective approaches for keeping your class sequences simple yet impactful and in congruency with what I believe the concentrated, sustained flow state of yoga was intended and designed to offer the practitioner. I have quite a few conversations and mentoring sessions with teachers and often the idea comes up of the feeling that students might get bored if they do not continually create new and fresh sequences. There is an overwhelming sense that they must constantly keep their sequences plans highly creative and oftentimes highly complex. It's almost this cycle of reinventing the wheel, so to speak, and it's a misconception and an approach that will eventually wear on you as a teacher and possibly exhaust you in your preparation process of teaching. Today, I will share with you these three highly effective approaches that you can incorporate into your sequence planning that support simplicity and lessens the stress that you may feel as you get caught up in the never-ending wheel of creating new and fresh sequences. As I speak and share with you about these three highly effective approaches, I have decided to keep the explanation brief and simple in hopes to enhance and not clutter the point with too many details in order to keep them attainable and accessible to begin incorporating and applying right away into the classes you lead. First, master the mini sequence. 
within your structure of sequencing. And let me say that if you don't have a solid structure or foundation for sequencing that you use to plan out your classes, then that will be the first place you need to land and get set up within a solid foundation plan of sequencing. I can help you with that if you struggle in that area. Within your structured plan, you incorporate many sequences. Now that is M-I-N-I, -I, not M-A-N-Y. I want to clarify that here on the podcast. Within your structured plan and the incorporation of many, meaning small, many sequences consist of three to four postures max on each side. That's it. The more yoga poses you try to link together, that becomes the M-A-N-Y. This increases a great opportunity for you to get caught up mentally trying to remember, and it heightens the risk for students to lose stability and increase injury by fatiguing out one side over the other. Many sequences are a collection of organized postures within a familiarity of alignment and action principles. They also comprise the various segments or elements found within the structure of the yoga class. So that can feel overwhelming unless you have a plan, right, to, to make it smaller and comprise smaller pieces to put together to make the bigger piece. This type of approach to sequencing eliminates the stress of sequencing. The many sequences are thoughtfully and skillfully put together, and they're put together in your collective structured plan, again, that I mentioned, in your foundational plan, and the mastery part of the many sequence approach shows up when you spend time in repetition practicing first for yourself the many sequence and then teaching the many sequence over and over until you've mastered the ability to lead others through the mini sequence and you feel confident from that capacity that you have gained of the repetition to move on to create a new mini sequence that you will then add in the next approach that I want to share with you. This small yet powerful percentage of your class makes learning and implementing new information more accessible for you as a teacher to share rather than becoming overwhelmed with how you might even begin adding new information or knowledge you are acquiring through your ongoing pursuits of study that come beyond your initial teacher training. 10% is manageable and highly effective when it comes to adding something new to your sequencing plan. The 90-10 approach also offers to you the evolving into a teacher that can step into the classroom with a plan and then actually empty yourself of any attachment to the plan at the same time so that you can show up fully present aware and ready to meet the needs of the students that are right in front of you in the real time 
active teaching. This is huge. All of these points, these approaches that I'm sharing with you today are going to be valuable. They will be a valuable asset when it comes to this development and the balance again of that structure and spontaneity. The spontaneity meaning you can quickly adjust and adapt your sequence plan to meet the needs of the students that arrive that day. I can say this with great clarity and understanding that if you spend time developing these three approaches within your sequencing plan, then you are going to up-level your teaching and become a highly effective and skillful teacher. More importantly, this will allow for you as the teacher to fade into the background of the class experience and let the teachings of yoga be showcased and available for students to encounter, which is ultimately what offers the transformative encounter and the residual aspect of yoga that we all seek when we practice. Nothing is random when it comes to sequencing and yoga becomes highly accessible when we as teachers are thoughtful and considerate within our approach to sequencing in this regards. As I wrap up the 90-10 rule, I also wanna share with you what happens when you reverse this, which is the approach that I believe a lot of teachers operate within when they choose to create overly complex sequences. Rather than 90% of the class sequences being your go-to mastered mini sequences, 90% is devoted to the creation of a collection of asana sequences that have yet to be explored or even mastered. They have resided within this construct of your mind, yet you haven't given ample time to explore them on your own. I'm speaking from experience here. I have encountered this approach firsthand, and I'll say this, it is not an approach that I would want to keep using. When we reverse the 90-10 rule or the approach, we get too caught up in the mental space of remembering because quite honestly, if we've never really spent a lot of time seeking to really understand the new concept or the new sequence, then there isn't a familiarity when it comes to remembering. This isn't a space that I enjoy teaching from, and it allows this evoking of an inquiry of why. Like, why would I want and desire to go into the classroom with this approach? When you reverse the 90-10 approach and you try to teach something new within 90% of your class, then you quickly find yourself caught up in your thinking mind, trying to recall the newness of a sequence and less time present and alert to see the students right in front of you. When you're caught up in your mind, you are no longer present for the experience and the students you are leading. This sets up for a disconnect and potentially creates distrust within the teacher-student relationship. It also begs the question of what exactly is your agenda as a teacher, which elevates even more the disconnect between teacher and student. 
Let's move along to the third approach towards effective simplicity in sequencing, repetition. Repetition shows up for you as the teacher in the first method of mastering the mini sequence. And I now want to highlight this in regards to the impact that repetition can have for your students and the ability for the opportunity and the residual impact of yoga to arise. As I dug deeper into my own understanding of repetition and the impact it has as a teacher on learners, I found that repetition is a key learning component, a key aid when it comes to learning because it helps transition a skill from the conscious to the subconscious. Through repetition, a skill is practiced and rehearsed over time and it gradually becomes easier, more accessible, more memorable. There's that concept of reminding students until they remember. Repetition supports remembrance. I'll add here the importance that as yoga teachers, we educate ourselves on the intelligence of the body and the way it has been designed to move. Yoga is not a cookie cutter approach or a one size fits all approach. It is important though, that as yoga teachers, we have a general overall understanding of the body and the various movements as a start point. As movement-based teachers, it would only make sense that we would devote time to deeper study, understanding how to equip others to move with efficiency and intuitive intelligence within their bodies. When it comes to the intelligence of our bodies and repetition, we do need to be mindful that we are moving in a variety of ways. This will speak to the styles of yoga that only teach a set sequence without any varying movements. As a student, if we only practice this one set style repeatedly, then eventually our bodies, because of their intelligence, will adhere and remember the movements. And yes, even in yoga, there can become a heightened risk of injury due to overuse that comes when we only move the body one way repetitively. This is where cross-training in the yoga practice becomes very important. And it's important that you're exploring various styles and movement practices in order to avoid that potential injury from overuse by doing the same movement the same way each and every time with significant repetition and consistency. The body is so brilliant in its intelligence, and because of the learning possibilities that come with repetition, the body will certainly adapt to the positions or movements that we place it in. And we are creatures of habit, so we become comfortable and familiar in repetition, so take note of the mental tendencies towards comfort and familiarity that creep in and distract you not only in life, but on the yoga mat. This will happen for your students as well. And within the concept of simplicity of sequencing and repetition, we also want to be mindful that we are offering to our students 
a variety of movement patterns and ways that we approach transitioning in and out of postures. This doesn't mean that we have to be overly complex in our sequencing, but we need, do need to offer variety or varying ways within the simplicity and methods I've shared. This is a great place for the 90-10 rule. You can teach the same mini sequences repetitively, yet add in variety within the 10% aspect and portion of the overall class experience. Another important aspect of repetition to highlight here is the interval at which a skill is repeated. Spaced repetition is a learning technique that incorporates increasing intervals of time between practice of previously learned material. Applying this within the approach to the vinyasa style of yoga, there is the component of tempo that is present within the flow of this style of class. Tempo affords you as the teacher a great opportunity of emphasis to vary the class in accordance to the length of holds and the moments of pause that you can sprinkle in to make the class impactful as well. You have the ability to vary the tempo of the class, which gives your students yet another way to create a unique and different way to experience the practice and evaluate how they respond and react when they interact with the postures held longer or faster when they are invited to move with a steadiness and stability as the tempo increases. I'll note here that you can use the approach of repetition and tempo within other styles of yoga that you might teach. This doesn't solely apply to vinyasa or flow style classes, although I'd highly encourage you to pay close attention to this concept if you do teach vinyasa style classes. You can certainly add all of these key approaches to effective simplicity and sequencing within a variety of styles of yoga that you might be teaching. Whether it's yin or restorative, there are elements and aspects of these approaches and elements of tempo even in the effectiveness of sequencing that ultimately doesn't have to be overly complex. As I wrap up today's episode, let me tie all of this together within the overall understanding of simplicity. How do these three approaches help to keep sequencing simple? And why does simplicity offer students an opportunity to allow the practice and teachings of yoga to make an impact on their lives? Once you are clear on your intention that supports simplicity within your approach to sequencing, then your next evaluation in class planning is to look through the lens of balance. Keep in mind that the word hatha, which is this, this overall umbrella that you'll find underneath vinyasa and other styles of yoga, that the word hatha refers to a union of polarities. In other words, balance. 
If you aren't clear on what the Hatha style of yoga is, then do some research after this episode or even go back to last week's episode where I dug a little deeper into this umbrella yoga style of Hatha and in particular the meaning of the Vinyasa style of yoga that you find under this umbrella. And regarding the balance of polarities, if you desire to activate your students, you can find the right balance of strong postures to ignite organization and muscular activation in them. But then you can also know that when it's time to give them reflective moments of pause so that they can sense the sustainable effort and the balance of ease at the same time. Simplicity helps support balance. Within all things in life, balance is a necessary state for our overall well-being. We can see balance played out in a variety of aspects in our lives. When you choose simplicity in your sequencing approach, you also choose balance and intention. Simplicity doesn't mean easy. It's more about accessibility and an opportunity for the practice to become clearer for the students you lead and it provides great clarity for you as a teacher as well. Complexity isn't bad, and there are times when sequencing can have a flavor of complexity as long as you as teacher remain aligned in the overall intention and thoughtfulness within how you're communicating, guiding, and supporting students within the complexity. It's important to note from today's episode that I do not want you to take away that I encourage you to steer away from complex asana sequences. That would be an extreme takeaway. (laughs) I want to offer to you layers of understanding your approach to sequencing and give you support and guidance in seeking and implementing methods and approaches that give you as the teacher, the best result when it comes to leading classes that make an impact. My desire is that you are equipped with methods and approaches that help eliminate distractions that keep you feeling like you must over-deliver on offering complex, new, fresh, challenging sequences in order to entice or entertain your students and keep them coming back to class. Approaching sequencing within simplicity offers you as a teacher a wonderful and intentionally organized way to incorporate a layered learning experience in your classroom. If you have the opportunity to teach more than one class a week, then use these class times to master the simplicity of the sequences you offer. Repeating the sequences to offer learning through repetition for you in your mastery while also interjecting and infusing the 10% I've referenced that could be the chance for students to encounter the same poses and the same sequence from a new lens of how they are being as they are doing or creating the shape. Turn those thoughts that you may be having that that students might get bored with your class if you aren't teaching a new sequence each and every class time. Turn it into an approach that allows you to expand and deepen 
the learning experience by taking a simple approach to sequencing and add the creativity found within the layers that go beyond the physicality of a, a new or complex sequence of poses. Get creative by using these approaches I've shared today and just see what happens. These approaches work and they offer success to your students and to you as a teacher. How do I know this? Because I have been infusing these approaches within my teaching methodology for nearly two decades. And I want you to find great freedom that I have found in expand and grow as a teacher that doesn't consist of overthinking sequencing. Simplicity invites students to learn and loosen the grip of limitations or expectations that they've placed upon themselves. Simplicity creates a learning space that also lessens frustration and the chance for miscommunication. When sequencing is too complex, it diminishes the space of learning and heightens moments of disconnect. Too much complexity will also increase the chance of miscommunication through the increased amount of cues that you will have to use to guide students into unfamiliar territory. Too much complexity can break down learning and create an adverse reactive encounter rather than an opportunity to reflect and choose the most appropriate response moving in and out of postures. For you as a teacher, once you make your sequencings overly complex, you will then have to figure out how you'll use your cues to lead students through the complexity without cluttering the experience by piling on complicated cues, which makes it hard for you to communicate effectively. And know this, if it's hard for you as a teacher to say or to cue, then it's certainly going to be hard for the students to receive and understand where you're trying to lead them. What's the real purpose in this approach? And what's your agenda as a teacher? I'll conclude today's episode with a quote by Aristotle regarding the importance of repetition in education. Aristotle says, it is frequent repetition that produces a natural tendency. When it comes to being a yoga teacher, you are an educator. Your role as teacher is to equip students within the setting of a yoga class experience with the best opportunity for learning, developing, and expanding their understanding of who they are and why they do what they do on the yoga mat, and out in their lives. It's through the facilitation of a yoga asana class that most of us are teaching and guiding others. So it only makes sense that as yoga teachers, we devote ourselves to understanding the best approach or approaches towards making this learning opportunity available and accessible for the students we lead. Simplicity supports this model and approach where complexity has tendencies to complicate and hinder learning. Yoga teacher, what will be your approach to sequencing?
Are you a yoga teacher that can benefit from some tips and techniques for cueing the classes that you lead? Well, I'm excited to share with you about a new free resource that I have available, the 10 Essentials for Effective Cueing. And this is a resource that I want to provide to you with what I believe to be the essentials when it comes to cueing and the language that we use in yoga classes, along with tips that I share with you that will most certainly up-level your approach and awareness when it comes to leading effective and impactful yoga classes, an amazing resource that is yours for free. So check out the link in the show notes and get your free copy today, or you can head over to my website, sandyraper.com, S-A-N-D-Y-R-A-P-E-R.com, and you'll find this free resource there, and there's certainly more resources waiting for you on my website. So go check it out and get your free 10 essentials for effective cueing. Until we meet again, thank you. Thank you for joining me today, and I wish you well along life's journey. And I'll look forward to spending time with you in the next episode.